Welcome to Like Mother, Like Son, Like Movies. I'm Aaron and I'm here with my mother Lisa. Hello. And uh, um, today we are going to talk about uh, probably one of my all-time top 10 favorite movies that I have ever seen, which is, uh, of course, The Wicker Man from two, uh, 1973, uh, directed by Robin Hardy and the screenplay written by Anthony Saffer and starring, of course... Uh, one of my all-time favorite actors, Christopher Lee, and uh, Edward Woodward as the kind of main characters uh, that we follow in a way. And um, it is a it is a British mystery horror film. Um, it's kind of uh, seems to define its uh, genre def- uh, definition. Aha, uh-huh. I. No, I don't see it as a horror film at all. Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, at all. I wouldn't say at all. It's a kind of a horror, but, you know, horror, I, I see it as a film, as a movie, as a great movie. And do you see every, everything as just movies? Yeah, because when you have a great... <laughs> we can discuss this yeah. in our thing, but <laughs> when you have a great movie, it is, combines, com, no, combines everything. And not uh, I, you mean like... When, when a movie reaches greatness, it starts to define uh, uh, outside of the borders of genre definitions. Yeah, it escapes definitions. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, well, more specifically about Wickerman, the, the interesting things about it also, not just as a great film, but as a, as also like, if if you look at it as a genre film, because it they, the filmmakers and the, how it was marketed and how it kind of how a viewer goes into it, it is presented as a, a horror film. But there, it's it's many people like to say and kind of say their opinion about it to 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 specify that it doesn't really feel like a horror film as how we see horror films these days. Um, it's, yeah, they have become in modern times. They have become more and more cruel and raw. You know this. Yeah, yeah. Like I saw one one person on EMBDP or somewhere saying that it's not it's not a horror uh, as in Corefest. It's like okay, so this, is that your definition of horror? That is just you know gore and violence and disgusting and you know uh, stuff like this. But you know, and and we can go. It, it it is a very interesting subject of its of its own, like genres and horror and how to define these things. For example, for for me, uh, uh, very good thriller movies also kind of borderline with with what I would consider a horror, uh, because horror is also atmosphere and stuff like that. But Vickerman itself is kind of very subdued horror. Like most of the film, it's not really it doesn't feel uh, horrifying. And I, I have a good story about to kind of illustrate how people react to this film in a way, because it, it is in the same time, it's, it's kind of like, um, well, like if, if, if we, if we, if we go back, like when, when I kind of found this film, 
uh, and I and I also uh, watch it alone a lot of times. So this is I, I think a lot of times when you when you are young, you don't get to see you know all these kind of movies like that are older and stuff like you don't get to see them in the theater with the audience. You know, you you see them kind of in a more private setting or. And I, and I remember Wickerman seeing a lot of times, like just alone. And when you're alone, you just have your own kind of reaction to it, your own feeling to it. And for me, it was a very kind of sincere movie. It, it took its subject very serious. Yes, it takes. That's the must. Yeah, it's very authentic to the pagan religion, and it's a very intelligent writing. One of the best writing I I, I think I've seen in films and uh, I was kind of just astonished and kind of amazed by the kind of portrayal of these villagers and these islanders and the, how it incorporates this pagan uh, uh, folklore and traditions and ceremonies into it and stuff like this so I was really like taken by it kind of touched by it how, how it represents those things and and so I, I always watch it in a very subdued way and kind of in a respectful way. And I, I took it as a kind of serious film. But then I had this really weird, interesting experience. I went with my good friend with Dimitri in Belgium. We went to Brussels where there was a screening of uh, like a film reel screening of the original Wickerman. I think it was the long version. Uh, and it the restorated uh, version or something like this. And the uh, director, Robin Hardy, was there, present. Yeah. And uh, he, he watched the film with us. And afterwards, he, we talked about it. There was like a QA with the audience. And we could ask questions. And he could actually, he, he talked a lot about it. He was really old by that time, like 70 or 80 or something like this. Yeah. <laughs> and I think he died like 82 or something like this. So it was very, very shortly before he died or something. It was very... But the really old because I'm, no, I'm sorry, I don't that mean age. it like that, you know. Like <laughs> I, I was just thinking about it that he was he was okay. actually dying. <laughs> I think it average yeah, yeah, okay. uh, usually statistics it, they say it's like eighty or something. Okay. okay. Um uh, anyway, so we we watched the film with the audience and this was the first time I actually saw it with the audience. First time I saw it with Dimitri, you know, like I I, yeah, because we, of oh, course we knew it. Yeah. We both loved it. You know, it's part of our, you know, kind of yeah. childhood or, you know, like growing up, you know. So first time you saw it with audience. Yeah. So it was very, very, I, I, I thought it would be this very wonderful, sincere moment to share it with the audience and stuff like this. And you know what happened? Um, we, the movie started mm-hmm. and suddenly everybody started laughing all the time. At every scene, they they started just laughing at the, all the uh, kind of you know ridiculous things that was happening, or not not at the pagan ceremonies or stuff like this. But it, I noticed that it was actually a lot of like humor or jokes that were supposed to be maybe jokes or something like this. And sometimes that I don't didn't think that it was joke or funny, that I just thought it's kind of a beautiful ceremony happening or something like this. But people were just openly laughing and being hilarious about it. Um, maybe this is uh, uh, the difference between the Belgian culture and Finnish culture. Yeah, we are so <laughs> serious and gloomy. Yeah, maybe maybe we are more connected to that pagan time or something like this. <laughs> I don't know. Like for us, it's just normal. Like, of course, you jump around naked around the fire. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. I um, 
it was kind of weird. And then, then when Robin Hardy was talking about that stuff, he kind of also said that he actually meant it to be also a comedy, to be kind of light movie and stuff like this. And I, I'm not oh, really yeah. sure to this day if he really meant it or if he was kind of nice with the audience or something, because that was the general reaction to the movie. Because when you then <laughs> hear about the directors, uh, like the filmmakers making the film and that... Uh, and and also the trouble of making the film because it, they 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 had to make it actually in the fall or something after the summer and it was getting yeah it was getting yeah, it's a real trouble I can imagine it it's it, it it takes place in this very wonderful summer uh, season in the island and there should be like apple trees blooming and stuff like this but it's actually it was really cold and they were like shaking and it was really hard. I'm filming it and stuff like this. And they, how they how they described making the film, they had a lot of sincere intellectual thoughts about about the movie, and they they talk kind of seriously about it. So it was kind of interesting this shift of tone. Suddenly, how when you react with the audience and you know in the screenings and stuff like this. And um, uh, so mm-hmm. I don't know. And that that is the interesting thing about Vikram that can change so much depending on the audience and the viewer. You know. Yeah, yeah, it is a movie which is contact. It's contacted to life itself wherever. No. Yeah, and I and I think like um, the the kind of manifestation of this in the, in the end, the culmination of it is kind of the cult status of the film because originally it was tended to be a horror film because in that time, of course, you it was it it was filmed in Scotland and it's primarily for British audience, of course, and stuff like this. And it was very Christian, maybe still, but at that time, at least for sure, it was very mainstream, you know, conservative Christian views that the audience had. And this is very much a story about single Christian, devoted Christian going to an island and finding out that it's, 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 uh, uh, they have renounced the Christian God and they can over a pagan, uh, religious view. No, but I think or... Christopher Lee refused to be pagan. He was very offended that this Sergeant Howie said that uh, you're pagan. <laughs> so, you know, we are heathens, but we are not pagans. <laughs> no, yeah, he said like a, like for certain a heathen, but I I hope not an uninter intellectual one you know uneducated yeah yeah <laughs> so, uh, so he, he takes his role he understands his status and stuff like this but what i mean is that it was meant as a horror film to see to be shocked shocking for the christian audience that how can they practice this and it, it is of course a horrible ending it is, yeah uh, i can imagine all that sexual business and everything yeah 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 so but the, but the, the interesting thing about it the film is that over time and uh, after it, it started to gather that cult status, the, the cult audience views it very much as a kind of uh, sympathizing for the bacon view. Yeah. You know, they take the bacon side uh, mostly in a way, you know, like I, I listen like heavy metal music and stuff like this. And it is, they actually use a lot of audio uh, dialogue from the film uh, in, in some parts of the, of the song that are like those, uh, mostly the monologues and dialogues of Christopher Lee with Howie, where Christopher Lee presents himself this with pride and with intellect 
uh, how he views religion and gods and stuff like this. And I can understand the sympathy and the empathy that you take on the pagan sides. And that is the interesting thing about the Vicar Man, that it's a kind of a camelot that it can take. Suddenly it kind of flips over with the audience. You know? yeah, yeah. Because because the audience actually see how we, in the end, the the the, the kind of alternative audience, or not, not the general conservative audience, but, you know, like alternative underground or like... Uh, uh, folk people, they, they they view how he's as a Christian conservative authoritarian uh, role, you know, who is kind of comes there to oppress them in a way, to say that no, you have to follow our ways, and why cannot the mm-hmm. villagers and the islanders do whatever they want to do, you know? Yeah, it's it's a very emotional film, you know. It's it took us a long time to we had been years been been. To, Talking about Wickerman and Harold. Yeah. So last we have been talking about and they've been very emotional all this this film. So kind of a, you know, I won't, I won't believe how it's how it's uh, emotional. And uh, so after after I had seen it, in, you know, three four times. And gone through with the emotions with it and everything. I only then, afterwards, I looked at we could look at it with uh, detached view, you uh-huh. know, a kind of um, um, you know, to to make it to look at it from outside as with the logic, because I always went, you know, what I mean is that I always went with the story. I just fell into the story. <laughs> yeah. Every time. And I couldn't, and only now, after many times, it's it's very rarely happens mm-hmm. to me, you know. That no, normally when I see it second time, I already can pl- pick up things there. And yeah. Uh, for, uh, for, yeah, you start to look at the details yeah. and, and the structure yeah. of, the, of the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Like this. Oh, yeah. So I'm amazed when I nowadays I I started to look at it again and I'm amazed really that how it's it's done. Yeah. Now I only can see how it's yeah. done. I only fell into the story and I went with it. Yeah. It's, it makes it it's so perfectly done that way. But now I can see all the points. You know how it's it's. Done in different locations, obviously, and all kinds. Yeah, like they they were, they had very hard time to like because they they were filming in Scotland and it's not filmed in any island, so because that island doesn't exist and and they couldn't find like a single village that would have that old traditional houses mm-hmm. and all these things, so they had to go in different locations that are like modern houses and places, but they just had to like it was really funny to. To really hear how Robin Hardy, like, or, or somebody uh, from the cast, like, crew, um, described it that they had to like to fix the camera in such a right angle, and if they would just slightly um, move it to the sides or something, you would actually see like a modern road with cars and stuff like this. And you know, yeah, so every scene that you see and every camera, like. Um, uh, frame it's it's really yeah. carefully fixated on that so to give the illusion that the modern world doesn't exist around it and that's really beautiful yeah. filmmaking that they 
Yeah, now when I look at it, I can see that, okay, now they have been going to somewhere <laughs> else to film this. And it's all in combination. Of, and how beautiful it's yeah, put together. Exactly. And, and, and also it kind of creates that, you know, I, I'm a really big sucker for the, the Kubrick theories and stuff like this. You know, like, I mean, Kubrick's way of filmmaking, how he embeds, yeah. uh, embeds uh, psychological abstractions in, in his films and settings yeah. uh, most prominently the shining hotel architecture is uh, deliberately meant to be like a maze and a labyrinth and to all the time counter reverse your uh, understanding of the structure of that building you know because it's meant to be yeah, like yeah. you know like a mind you know or you know like like the same kind of logic of, of a dream or something you know here they have done it no now when I look at it and I can see how it's done so they already started in the beginning when they they give they it starts we are in the middle of the movie first of all you see this you are in an aeroplane and you are in these uh, things and only then come the texts so they put us in there throw us in in the story just like the how is Sergeant Howie is thrown into the <laughs> yeah. thing. No, he doesn't at all know where he's getting yeah. to. Where he's, where he's, uh, he wouldn't probably go there if he had known. Yeah. But, so we are also thrown into the middle, in the beginning, and then come the text, and then we go forward, and then later come <laughs> more texts, and yeah. so on and so on. You know, it's, yeah, it's a very intelligent group yeah. who has done that. Yeah, it's, it's like yeah. also in the, in the beginning when you when he's flying over, you see this landscape of this kind of like water and land, and it's kind of very organic and and stuff, and it's it's also kind of brings you yeah. that atmosphere. And it, it it kind of because it has to it, uh, it has to keep a kind of uh, ambitious, uh, I mean, kind of mysterious and unknown understanding of the whole architecture like every every phrase every scene like how it just literally just walks into in, in, into the scene of now we have the bar the cream man and he walks into the bar and now we have the school and he walks into yeah. the school you know you never can see the overview of the archi- the, the urban architecture and in, in a way yeah, exactly. in the heart and then we suddenly are at the mansion or or at it like like for me it was always very like sometimes I get I, I got kind of confused of of these things and uh, which which meant that I every time I rewatch it I I kind of understand more about the story and the details I get more information for example at the when he's at the school and then the teacher says that there's the cemetery or if you can even call it a cemetery anymore and he then then it's just like you know trans. He's like teleported into the cemetery, basically, and then it is a different location, and it's like a ruined church that they found apparently somewhere. But it doesn't. There is some kind of disconnection between those locations and stuff. But I, I, I like it. Yeah. It fits very well yeah. into the movie. And- you know, I think that this, this, uh, the, the one who made the screenplay, this uh, yeah. Anthony Saffer. Yeah. He is brilliant. He's just absolutely brilliant. He's a, he's something special. I know. I 
start to look for him that who is this man? Who is this man? So I found out that he has done for other right. things like Hitchcock. He did Frenzy's screenplay for Hitchcock and so on. And then I found out, for me, terribly interesting thing that he has a yeah. twin brother. He has an identical twin brother <laughs> called Peter Schaffer. Peter Schaffer, <laughs> and who is a playwright also, and and who and he made for Milos oh, Forman. Wow, really? Is Amadeus Peter Peter Schaffer? He's wow. twin brother. That's a nice. Yeah, yeah. Because Milos Forman just died, so I started to read about him and so on, so and. So on, and they have wow, even written nice. detective novels together. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, that, that reminds me of the, you remember the adaptation with Nicolas Cage. So I had a twin brother and stuff like this. Uh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then there was another interesting detail was that and this Anthony Suffer was married to this Diane Silento, oh, really? who was Miss Rose, the oh. teacher there. Wow, very interesting yeah. backstory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's why she was, probably that's why she's yeah, maybe. cast into the movie. Speaking about, speaking about the cast, like Edward Woodward is like amazing. I, he's, I, even though Christopher Lee is really the brightest star of this film, he is Unbelievable! Yes, like he, he himself also have said that it's his, it is his most favorite role that he has made, like his best performance and he his his best movie that he made. He, he really loves this movie to his heart, and you can see it in his performance, and that he really mm-hmm. connects in a way with that character, and he really brings something. Like he, I think that character can really. He became really famous of Dracula and all of this, and this this movie came kind of right after he wanted to kind of move away from Dracula and stuff, and which is, and, and, and it really mm-hmm. kind of captures that, that the, the kind of color palette of, of different aspects of this, this character, because he can be like, like Dracula also was very charming and frightening at the same time. But here he's, he's so charming that you actually kind of start, start, respecting him until he kind of shows his really like kind of this more monstrous evil side in a way, you know, like it, it's more delicate, more subdued uh, performance of, of, of a villain character in a way. It doesn't even feel like a villain, really. He always looks very civilized, you know, he looks in every part he has ever done. He's like civilized and he's a charisma with uh, ruling over, immediately takes the screen over. But, but this Howie is just a match for him yeah. because he also takes. So, yeah. 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 It, it's really like, it's, it's, it's funny because it's really that like Christopher Lee has this wonderful tendency of having like the best, Best uh, villain counterparts, you know, like best, uh, like like oh, as, as when he had in Dracula, he had Van Helsing, which was uh, Peter Cushing, you yeah. know, that, that 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 relation, that 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 <laughs> dynamics between Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee in Dracula is held as one of the, you know, iconic things in cinema history in those Hammer movies, and and it, just in the same way, you know, in this movie, the Edward Woodward's 
extremely talented, skill, skillful acting is, is, the, is the right kind of dynamic against Christopher Lee's. It's, it's like, you know, it's awesome. Awesome the way he <laughs> should be getting all the prizes forever. In yeah. yeah. This man is so honest, so honest. He's talking and his voice and his seriousness. It just fits. Yeah, and, and and it's really hard for me even to imagine that actor for something else. You know, like yeah. he, he owns that conservative, de- devoted Christian uh, yeah. personality. You know, and he he because he's the one single character, the the man in in the middle of this movie who is like arrogant and frustrated about everything all the time <laughs> he cannot have yeah. a single moment of break to, <laughs> to, to have any like uh uh, uh like uh, freedom to for his god and for for his uh, beliefs and stuff like that yeah but of course it's the screenwriter who has done for him this part yeah, yeah. he just acts it Perfect yeah, I, I, that's what I mean. That it fits in so, perfect, and you have to. That's what I mean. That you. That's a very hard character to write. You know, like the same way as like Tom Hanks in Castaway, where most of the film is just watching Tom Hanks do stuff. Then you have to have a good actor to do stuff, like or Matt Damon yeah. in The Martian. You know, or in Locke, this Locke, this um, Tom Hardy. Uh, yeah, Tom yeah, Hardy. Same way. I haven't seen that film, so I cannot say about it. He's the only one in the yeah. whole film. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He's really... And in, in yeah. some ways, it's kind of similar challenge in this film because, like I said, he's the single character that is the opposition of everything else around him. So you have yeah. to own that character. You have to, like, make it work. You know, I was watching with this, as I told you, that I was watching this for, for three, four, five times maybe with emotion and going into the story and I didn't realize anything. So now when I look at it, I start to look at this. Who is this guy? This, this, now when I have been out enough emotions, you no. Know? So I was watching him again start, the movie starts when he's flying a plane. Yeah. I couldn't imagine that this guy is flying a plane, so I was watching it again, that it's him, really? It's him who's flying the plane? And he, in the beginning, he already flies the plane into his hometown. And I thought first, okay, it's in London or something. No, no, it's the islands. He's, I found out that he's the police chief in the, in the island yeah. area yeah. in Scotland. So that's yeah. why he's flying the plane. There's a, there's a background for this all. So is he can't drive it. Yeah, you can, it takes a long time so to it, row a boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he flies and he comes to this and they show, show all this that he's the police chief and he has this woman whom he's going to marry and very sincere. All is established, Christian, all is established. So he starts to fly and I was wondering, you know, why this man, who is so devout Christian, he's flying a plane, so he knows aerodynamics, you know, technical stuff and scientific things, more or less, you know, like, and then he goes into the island, there in the island he is making photographs. He actually goes into a, 
storeroom and he finds the pictures of Rowan Morrison yeah. and he develops the, so he knows to develop pictures, photograph. He, he's a he's a, a officer, you know, like a like you said that he was the main guy of this island. So so maybe in the office, you know, in that time you had film cameras, you didn't have digital. So it was usual at the police station to develop photos or something. But uh, police people uh, don't do everything themselves. So he knows to do all those things by himself. <laughs> it's not, no, I I'm, I have a hobby of detective stories <laughs> and all this. So I know a lot about policemen and the, you know, okay. So anyway, so... My point is that okay, he knows all kinds of technical and scientific logical things and he's, it's needs intelligence <laughs> to do those things. And then on the other hand, he is like a child in this Christian business. Uh-huh. So it's yeah, very okay. strange combination I, I in a man, in a man and a human being. That's what I mean. So I was... Really, when I found out that he flew the airplane by himself, in the beginning I thought, of course he's somebody pilot, he has yeah. a pilot. No, he yeah. flies it himself. Well, maybe you can you can argue that, you know, like those flying a plane, developing photos, these are also technical things. And you can learn technical things. You know, in the army, soldiers but learn... You to- have to have intelligence for it. Not not necessarily. Like, I, that's what I mean, like... Okay, you of course you're human as an intelligent being, but you you know that's what I mean. It's technical, you know. Like uh, if you if you if you prepare a car, you don't have to be a highly educated person to. to uh, I've seen a car, so many you know? American, you know, American films where our stupid idiots have been driving cars. So. <laughs> But I don't want to. I don't want to say anything bad about you know car repair I don't people mean that. And, and stuff like this. What I mean, I just want to say what I mean is that I think the intellectual part, kind of, you know, these are technical things that he knows. But he, he, all throughout the film, the the he lacks the intelligence to to really understand what's happening and stuff, and he's blinded. Analyze. He should be able to. With all those things he can do as an adult, he should be able to analyze religion also, or all this. Yeah, that's what I mean, that it's a strange, I believe it. Of course, I believe it, it's an intelligent screenplay, but but very strange combination in a human being. You know? I, yeah, but I think it's, 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 it, I think it's the, the, Skill of the crew, the the writers, the Anthony Saffer, to actually write this guy because I think it's it's very it's very real and it's very good and they it's it's really the perfect character that they need for that story and that the islanders need because the whole point of that story is that the the, the villagers are all the time making this plot to trap him <laughs> basically that's the whole point of this why why he's there and everything and when you see it you know like you say like again and again it's very interesting to see from the beginning of how they are deliberately making like a act like a play and every everything like like in the end you you like mentioning the the monkey hand or whatever is it the, this when when he's sleeping and then was it the monkey hand Maybe a human hand. I don't know. It's it's just like in my head, like these old horror stories about monkey hands and stuff like this. Don't 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 take notice. <laughs> and no, that was a shocking scene. Yeah, like the, the willow and the landlord are like whispering while always sleeping, but they are whispering very very loud. 
you know, and, and, and so, so just so that how we can hear them and to make this, okay, we have to put the monkey hand next to him and, and how you, and they are saying, and they are saying, oh, but you don't know how long he will sleep after that. And, and then how he's like, oh, I know what's going on. And then he, he opens his eyes and it's this hand and he pushes it right over. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, and all these like wonderful moments. And, and you can see that they are, the, 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 the way they do it is that they all the time play against his pride and his arrogance and his mm-hmm. uh, religious views. And that is very important that he is devoted Christian who doesn't accept them in order for them to be able to trap him because that way they make him get closer and deeper in there. So they, they have to work against each other. There has to be this balance in order for the yeah. trap to work and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the whole uh, set is happening in the spring, you know, and in spring the this nature wakens a new into the yeah. new growing growth and all the then comes the spring rituals and the whole film is more or less about spring rituals <laughs> yeah well exactly because it we, we kind of dive into that you know like the the one 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 aspect of what the 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 the, the director was kind of really wanting to get out was to show because they did a huge amount of research to gather all these yeah. these religious like these uh, these traditions together like from around the place because you don't have like that kind of a place where they all do all those different things they are actually a collection of different traditions put <laughs> yeah. together and that's why it kind of overfills with paganism you know it's just full of it because the <laughs> the, the kind of the idea of these villagers is that, or summer lord summerlild uh Christopher Lee's character is that they, his grandfather literally gathered all those traditions together and started to practice them, yeah. to throw away the mm-hmm. Christian God and to start uh, worshiping any other gods, you know, whatever, the God of Ocean and, you know, in a, in a pagan way, in a folk way. And it's, it's like, what, what did I want to say about it? Like the, that idea of what the director wanted to say was to kind of, that's the idea to kind of, to, to fill your eyes and fill your senses with these traditions to kind of make, put you into that reality, just like how we, to kind of, in a way to see where, where this European culture have come from and how much we still have it. Yeah. Because you see, like, like the, you, you, I mean, you see the hair. They all the time talk about the hair, and 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 then you, then in Europe, you know, you you might you might talk about the March hair or the Easter or all of these, you know, and you, you celebrate Christmas mm-hmm. and stuff, but you don't realize how much actually that that deep uh, folk paganism is inside of you, all those symbolism and all of those things. So you might see something familiar, but you don't really understand it in the same way anymore. Um, you, exactly. It's, it's not like, like Europe thing, but, you know, I have seen in in uh, Akira Kurosawa's film Hidden Fortress from 1958. It's a wonderful film. It's really great. So there is a rite of spring there where they they have a fire mm-hmm. fire feast where they 
yeah, it's a kind of a ritual in the, in, inside the film in, in the middle. Yeah, so it's all over the world, I suppose. Yeah, it's of like, course. Like this, you can. Yeah. It, it's like its own kind of philosophical discussion where you can talk about how much you, you can see the kind of unifying elements in these symbolisms that it's kind of derived from kind of kind of maybe some kind of like you know Jungian archetype yeah. things where you know it's it's just natural for us to do yeah. that. You know. Yeah, like Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. This. Ballet, it, it's, it's also like this Kurosawa business. Then. Yeah, and, and in that ballet, it goes even more kind of primal and kind of because it's without words and it's just choreographical dance. So it, it it's it's even more symbolic. It's even more kind of archetypal. So it makes you think. It makes you think about the human situation. Like it was very very old habits. All this. Things so you take yeah. a young girls. We are virgins, mostly they're girls, young virgin who dance these rituals, and then the it is given to the old men of the village. That happens in yeah. the Rite of Spring in Stravinsky's ballet. Yeah. So, but here they are. It's not so. You know, it's not feminine. So feminine business. It's all you. It's masculine and feminine. It's everybody there in this. Yeah. And it, and it reversed those kind of roles because at this time it's not a virgin female, but it's a virgin man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I teach him. Yeah. A man who flies an aeroplane. <laughs> yeah, he comes from the heavens. But he's a virgin. Yeah, he, it was very important that he's a virgin. <laughs> yeah, well, what's crazy, no? But but that, that's, that's funny because then you have this, this fa- famous willow stand. So if, if, if uh, how we would have broken down from his uh, Christian values and gone into Willow's room, you know, yeah. to mate with her, you know, then Willow would have uh, ruined the whole ceremony. Yeah, yes, but I think that was also purposeful. It's They they made it by purpose. They gave him a chance, yeah. but he didn't take it. They gave him a chance yeah. by purpose. And it's a wonderful scene. That's one of the memorable things. You know, Britt Eklund is dancing this blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And the music is amazing. Yeah, amazing music. It's uh, it's really like a spring and willow and things. Yeah. And, and then I heard that it is known that she's not acting herself in, in the all-naked scenes. That's nowadays looks ridiculous. Why not? She 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 herself said, she she was a model. Apparently, she said herself that she doesn't have the the right butts. It's a, he he doesn't have a beautiful butt, so they 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 get the Beautiful butt and <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. But yeah, what okay. can you do? It's yeah yeah. So anyway, it's it's an old. Ancient old belief that the, the fire in Easter gives you a good crops. Yeah, good crops of the uh, new yeah. fields. So, so you have to sacrifice a virgin to get the good mm-hmm. crops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fire is kind of old. Like in Finland, you have in the summertime you have a fire bonfire. Uh, in Christmas, in the yeah. New Year, you you have this uh, old Finnish tradition of burning these free logs. Uh, yeah, also in East, you have East fire. So fire is kind of a very 
very uh, amended in, in our psyche, you know, and how we how we connect with. The, it's like a, it's like a natural thing that we can control and we can create. You know, the animals cannot mm-hmm. create fire, but we can, and we cannot do a lot with yeah. nature to force nature, like weather. We cannot force weather, but we can force fire. Also, these uh, trees, this rowan. Rowan, who was this uh, yeah. mountain ash, yeah. So that's a very old holy tree, at least in Finland, or probably everywhere. Yeah, maybe yeah. in, in so, Europe specifically, I think. Yeah, but if you we go to this movie with uh, you know this Rowan yeah. Morrison and <laughs> her mother May Morrison is all these side characters here are also uh-huh. perfect, uh-huh. You know? yeah. and they they are special, yeah. The innkeeper, yeah, very nice. He's, he's the one who always looks like <laughs> he knows what's going on. Green man, or what was the innkeeper? Yeah, that's the, that's the bub, yeah. The yeah, yeah. He looks like, yeah, yeah, I know. Innkeepers uh, always know everything. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and, and, and his daughter, Willow, and the teacher, uh, they just, they are really perfect. And, and then the various little, like, old, like, the the people of the village. And stuff like that, like like the yeah, the, you be you're, like you said, the Rowan, the mother of the no, yeah. the, no, he wasn't May, Rowan. May Morrison, yeah, May, yeah. May Morrison, and, and all the side characters, they're also perfect. And the children, either even are great. It just feels natural and live, and you know, like. But then you know, I you always I'm a viewer, so every viewer I think is a normal viewer. So in the end, I become like skeptical that what what is it really going to be that this I I don't like this uh, killing and burning. And yeah, because that that's really like the, the, that's the because it's very important that you you have that because it's it's really has it is really the the dynamic between this these religious ideologies and stuff like this. And I have some thoughts about it. Like if, if you, if you, if you care to listen, like um, the, like essentially the, like well, one quote from the, from the makers, like the writer and the director was that they wanted to make a film where they would show that like how he is from this kind of a more, the, the, the majority of the country's religious view that the whole country follows. And he then goes literally kind of into a foreign land within his own country, within his own people, where in this community, these people are literally the opposite, you know, the absolute opposite of what he believes. And it's, it is kind of to demonstrate and to explore the situation where no matter if the gods are real or not, you know, or, or if the gods are real, then, you know, in the end there would be a shower, <laughs> or something, which which one of the producers actually suggested to have a happy ending, to have a shower in the end, to put the fire out. Ah, uh, it would have spoiled the film. Yeah, Ex- exactly. So anyway, but that doesn't happen. So if there is no God, if there is nothing that actually can come and uh, to to judge what is happening, then it's only the matter of who has the muscle, who has the maturity of muscle to force the other one to their way, yeah. you know. So even though how he has the authority, he is overpowered by the muscle of the community who can do whatever they want with him in their community, you know. So it's, 
it's it's this is how 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 the battle goes you know how the ideology is ruled by the other you know it's it's in the end it's nothing to do with uh, with the inner uh worldview of that ideology or something it's it's just it's it's kind of literally the ideology that can survive and it's true force in the end it's and, very hard to take the idea that uh, the animals and people are killed Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that, and it also kind of, it, it's. I think it's a wonderful thing because it balances out those things. Because, like I said, it's kind of interesting to see how the cold audience and the people who really much sympathize with that pagan tradition and that thing, they kind of oversee this ending. They don't kind of acknowledge it, you know, because in the end, you you cannot completely sympathize with that. Just like you say, you know, there's something wrong with that. And, yeah, and, and, and I have a theory. Oh, I have a theory about it, and it's um, there's something uh, very interesting about it. Like, let me see where I can kind of start off with it. There, when you you mentioned about the the how how weird it looks like that there are palm trees and stuff like this in the Scottish island. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because there is no palm trees there in Scotland, but we see very clearly when we walk in Lord Samuel Isles castle or mansion that if they're walking past this, no, it's it's like uh, <laughs> heaven, you know. It's like it's like Eden where they are walking, and you yeah. can see it clearly in one on one frame, like quite white, not frame, but like some seconds when when the camera is flowing, and then it's really flourishing, and it's like it's it's really like. Uh, It's a lush exactly, place. it's it's a miracle yeah. that it actually happens because it, it it shouldn't be possible. But Lord Samalai says that his grandfather came there and he started to follow these traditions. And they they when they were pleasing the gods, sacrificing to them by other ways, I think not not as radical as in this movie. They the gods were giving them the good weather and the climate and all of this. So they, they've started flourish and they became very famous of their apples and their fruits and all of these things. But, uh, and in a, in a, and, and, and this, this happened because Lord Samalai says that they are, they, they, they kind of renounce the Christian God and how he, how he says, what about that true God? Lord Samalai says, well, he's dead. And he had his chance, but you know we. And that's yeah, and, and it's, it's a really good dialogue between these two characters. And the what this in a in a theological way, I if if because it really uh, it, it's it's interesting to maybe to view it as in comparison to the Garden of Eden in the Bible or in the Old Testament, where as if. This whole situation is is read by the idea that man went back to the Garden of Eden after God banished man out, and we can never enter, you know, Eden. So now, in, in, in on this island, in this what Samalai, Lord Samalai did, they they went back to the Garden of Eden and they killed God, and they took over the garden. Now it's man's garden. <laughs> they 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 do. With the with the garden with the islands, how they feel best, and they are not going to keep following this 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 Christian God and not knowing if they if he will give or not, and to let 
that this god what is that they will take over so now man is, is responsible of their own mm. destiny their own life and stuff like this but there is there is evidence and there are some clues in the movie that this is not working for some reason because the crops are starting to fail and that's the whole point of why how is there and Lord Samuel is like they they are honest about it that the crops started to fail after year after year and this is their hardest year the previous year was their hardest they had nothing so where's the point that if you burn a virgin exactly it's ridiculous of course it's totally absurd but but to them you know that it is as absurd as how we how is christian god to them they they both viewed each other as yeah, absurd, and we, we as yeah. an audience view them as absurd, also equally absurd. And I think to mm. to kind of get into why where my my theory gets into its point, what I think is kind of what is missing and what is yeah. the reason of the decline of of man's power in the garden uh, of Eden is uh, is something that uh, we need to observe another movie. To understand, which is the Jean Renoir's classic Grand Illusion. Um, if you remember in that uh-huh. movie, you have the um, it's it's a war movie about Second World War, and there is a French captain, a pilot that is shot down mm. and he's taken captive to this uh, castle that is run by Nazis. And he's, it's a prison and he's there in the prison. And then he's yeah. uh, introduced to the leader of the authoritarian uh, authority of the prison, who is a Nazi officer, yeah. Rittmeister or something like that. And what was his name? Uh, Rittmeister is the, I think the, 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 the role, the status of the, the, the officer. Yeah. Right? Some, if I just correct, I don't remember the names. Uh, anyway, the, the, the 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 masterful idea of the, that movie, Grand Illusion, why it's actually so important movie, and why it is held as one of the first humane war movies uh, in cinema, is because, in my in my opinion, is because the 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 relationship that the French captain and the, the Nazi mm. officers start to have is a mutual respect. And because, mm. and which is, which is uh, astonishing uh, thinking that it is, they are all both in the com- absolute op- opposite points of, of a war mm. that is happening, a world war. And these, these countries, these nations are in an ideological battle against each other. But, it, but then when yeah. you go on the human level, you see this officer, Nazi officer, Rittmeister, and this French captain uh, discovering that they are both humans. But most importantly, they, they, they can see eye to eye because of their intellectual and educational and economical status. They are both from a high society. Yeah, yeah they are the same level in, intellectually. Yeah, so and that I think is one of the Renoir's main things in, in many of his movies is that kind of that how important is education and the, the status of that life and the, the, the intellectual uh, status and he represents it in a high society way I think and 
But the maybe important is that they kind of recognize these values that they share equally towards each other. Again, they can have an intellectual discussion about this ideological war that they feel they are forced to be part of. Yeah, yeah. They don't necessarily believe in that same ideology. Maybe they see some things about it, political and stuff like this, but deep inside they don't really care to go and start battling other nations and stuff like this they may may have other ambitions in life and stuff like this and they 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 kind of get really close and i think rittmeister dies in it or something like this and maybe if i'm correct if i remember correctly even says before he dies or something that he has come to respect this man as uh, almost like a friend or something like this like a friend yeah i think like a friend okay and, and and the kind of the point of that 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 dynamic of that relation is that underneath that ideological war the people themselves you know what actually matters is the humane empathy toward each other the connection that they are mm-hmm. equal to each other and they can respect each other and that yeah. is what lacks in wickerman yeah i i think that you know this Edward Woodward, oh no, a Howie, yeah. Sergeant Howie didn't have a chance in life. He was born in certain circumstances and he didn't get the education. Yeah, maybe. The, 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 the flying lessons and so Yeah, on. yeah, we could say that. And that's maybe also the why, you know, like a whole nation can start following a Nazi leader. You know, or I believe in, in some in, in those kind of ideas, or or to 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 just blindly go and go somewhere and kill, you know, in any war, you know, because you think that you are a hero and they are the bad people or something like this. And in Vickerman, it this this battle, this opposition that Howie and Lord Samuel is having is 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 clearly ideological battle, and they yeah. they are not they are on that same level of what the what what the allied and the nazis were battling each other and that's where they they cannot go deeper than that to any humane level of mutual respect towards each other lord samalai there is glimpses yeah. of lord samalai kind of acknowledging that that level of of that that mm. you know, like for example in the end uh, how he says oh i i'm not going to be part of your sacrifice god will take me and i will be joined with him in heaven and I, I, my soul will leave this island, you know, when he's captured. And Lord Samalai says, yeah. well, that is good. You know, I'm very happy for you, yeah. but for us, you will be a hero, you know, because you saved our... Like, he, he yeah. allows him to have his God and his, his resurrection. Yeah. They both are, in fact, wrong. Exactly. That, that's yeah. the horror. That it, It's a very... It's not a horror film like Dracula, where you can easily say that Dracula is the bad guy, Van Helsing is the good guy. But in Wickerman, mm. the intelligence is, the cleverness of the script writing is that it presents a very complex evil that cannot be so easily recognized or handled or understood and how to fix that. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that's the real horror. Yeah, I think. Okay. So now we are... Now we are ending, nearing to the end. So in the beginning, you were telling about Brussels and this uh, movie that you had the experience of seeing Wickerman there. Yeah. So did you actually meet this direct? You didn't say? You... Yeah, well, we were in the audience. Uh, we I, I didn't ask any questions. I was kind of 
still shocked by the laughing maybe <laughs> i was just observing it but we had a we had a photo with him with dimitri together afterwards oh, we, we oh, thanked yeah, him of yeah. course for his wonderful film and stuff and he was yeah very pleased he was a nice guy even if he was old nothing to do with it I'm not, I'm not going to say anything <laughs> about that. <laughs> okay, so maybe you can put this, this photo into the... So yeah, so yeah, we can see I, I will put it on the blog, yeah. Uh, if, if Dimitri is so also okay with it. Yeah, yeah, if Dimitri agrees because he... So, so I think we recommend this film strongly to everyone, except children. Yeah, yeah, it's, not, it's all kind of sexual stuff and... There, in the end, it's quite horrifying. Yeah, but everyone, and also the Renoir's film, and also Kurosawa's yeah, film, and yeah. so on and so on. The great films. This is one. This of is the really it stands the test of time, and it's so authentic. It's it's just it's it it works also as a you know that that's the remarkable thing about it. Like I just want to kind of close my my things off with this is that it. Because of the research of what they did for to to investigate all the old traditions and ceremonies and also the music, you know, the Paul Giovanni, I have to really give him a little space to 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 say that you know this this soundtrack is one of my all time favorite also um, next to Twin Peaks, Firewalk with Me. This is like oh and Blade Runner. This is like my my what I really kind of grew up with that it's really uh, in my heart um you know, he he had like six weeks to prepare for the film and he really like went into it and he studied he researched a lot of like old uh scottish and british uh, uh music and he he really and he made new compositions or kind of readapted some things and this it can be seen the whole like collection of music is can be seen as a really, really, really valuable uh, preservation of cultural history of that uh, British Scottish yeah. uh, history, and as well as the pagan ceremonies and traditions. So it's not just a horror film, like a film in itself, but it's actually yeah. a cultural preservation uh, of of cultural history, yeah. which makes it very valuable film. Yeah, it's a, it's a real present for us. Yeah, so l- let's everybody see it again and again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We thank you for this time. Okay. And, uh, say goodbye. Yeah, bye-bye. Hi, it's me, Aaron, the co-host of the Movie Podcast. You have been listening to uh, some quick words here at the end. Uh, First of all, if you want to know more about our podcast, you can get some extra material from the episodes. Uh, You can visit our website, mothersandmovies.com. If you like our podcast, you can share it with your friends. Also, if you want, it would be really nice and help our show if you could rate us on iTunes. The music that you heard in the beginning and now in the background was done by Kevin MacLeod with my additional remixing for our intro track. Yeah, that was our... uh, Wickerman podcast now and uh, be sure to join us next time when we uh, will look at the Wickerman again but in a kind of another angle so uh, see you then and thanks a lot and bye